Welcome to Addicted to Busy, the podcast specifically for overachieving property managers who are dying for a little more work-life balance in their lives. Each week, we dismantle all the BS that holds us back. You'll learn how to nix those tricky self-sabotaging habits so that you have the time, energy, and motivation to create what you really want in life. If you're looking to shift from overcommitted to overjoyed, this is the podcast for you. Let's do this. Now, your host, Anna Havalyana. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Addicted to Busy podcast. I just returned this past week from giving a presentation all about managing distractions to a group from Lincoln Property Management Company, and it was a blast. I love any opportunity to geek out on organization, efficiency, managing distractions, being more of an efficient property manager, or just human in general. Now, normally when I speak to a large group of people, I typically don't know anyone because oftentimes I'm traveling or speaking to associations. And so it's pretty frequent that I don't know anyone in the room. But this time I got to speak in Minneapolis, which is where I spent most of my career. This presentation was very special to me because I was in the room with four women who were with me when I started as a baby in property management as a leasing agent. And there were two people in the room in particular who they were my manager and my asset manager for, I think, four years or pretty close to four years. And so they really poured into me over the years and they mentored me and they taught me and they guided me as I learned the ins and outs of this very, very crazy industry. And they also saw me when I was at my worst. So to have these two individuals in the audience meant a lot to me because everything that I share here on the podcast isn't necessarily my own ideas. I mean, a lot of it was learned through my own trial and error and human experience, but a lot of what I shared is all of the great advice and lessons that I learned from the amazing people who mentored me. Now, these four individuals that I was telling you about, these women are absolute powerhouses. They are amazing managers. They are amazing moms, amazing humans. And I was simply blessed to have the opportunity to work around them. These women stand up for each other. They talk each other up. And that makes a world of a difference. When you feel like you are supported and celebrated, that affects how you feel when you walk into an office. And that's a big part of why I loved working with them so much and also why I was able to do what I did because they instilled belief in me when I wasn't entirely sure that I could do it. They witnessed a lot of my firsts in property management. And while every fiber in my body was telling me, I don't know if I can handle this, I don't know if I can do this another day, they assured me that I could. Anyway, I am riding on a high after coming back from that presentation. If you are looking for a speaker for your organization or for your manager's meeting, reach out to me. I would love to come and work with your group and share these tools because I'm very passionate about helping people balance their work with their life and their health. All right, let's dive back into it. Today is our final episode on the competence ladder, right? So for the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about the competence ladder and why you need to understand where either you 
or your teams are within that ladder. So let's quickly recap this. I know we've gone over this a couple times, but what's one more for the road? All right, we can be unconsciously incompetent. That's where you don't know what you don't know. You can be consciously incompetent where you are aware of a skill that you don't yet have. We can be consciously competent where you know that you have a skill and that you're good at it. And then we can be unconsciously competent, which is where you are so good at a skill that you're no longer aware that you even have it. Okay. Now we've gone over a couple reasons why you need to understand where you are on that ladder. A few weeks ago, we went into depth and talked about how if you aren't aware of the skills that your team lacks that you have, then you might be taking on work that could be done by somebody else. Said another way, if you have a teammate who has a lot of unconscious incompetencies or inabilities, chances are you might be doing work that they are fully capable of learning how to do. After that, we talked about how moving through the competence ladder will also require us to move through various emotions and that in essence, we have to slow ourselves down in order to speed up later. Whenever we take on a new task or try to learn a new skill, we should expect to feel frustrated or challenged. And that's what today's topic is all about. If you are guiding a teammate through learning a new skill, You have to be aware of what phase of this ladder they're in. Otherwise, you risk losing patience unnecessarily, which is likely to stunt their growth. Okay, so let's start this off. One of my most unfavorite phrases is, duh. It's a simple sound, but my God, can it make someone feel like crap? Now, there are other ways that we can say duh in polite terms, such as, didn't you know that already? Or she should know that by now. When someone says duh, it implies that something should be obvious that they're not getting it. It implies that this person is lacking in knowledge, or it might mean that they're incompetent. Now, I am going to give a tiny little footnote here that duh is often a phrase commonly used by teenagers to deflect absolutely anything that their parents say. And sometimes we say duh in a joking way to cover up a brain fart. Those examples aside, when we imply that someone should know something, we're not taking into account that they've had a very different lived experience than we have. Whether we're teaching a subordinate something new or whether we are learning from our superiors or our colleagues, we have to make space for the fact that we're all coming from different backgrounds. For example, I have worked alongside property managers who have degrees in business or finance. I've also worked alongside property managers who have art degrees or no degrees at all. We are all at different stages in our journey. Now, it is not necessary for you to know someone's full background in order to teach them. However, it is necessary for you to drop the assumption that just because someone is in a specific position, that they should know absolutely every single nuance about it. I've seen this play out before, and it's likely that you have as well where a new employee is brought in from outside the company 
and an internal candidate was passed up for the role. Now, the internal candidate is obviously let down or disappointed that they didn't get the position. And then at the first sign of a mistake or of a knowledge gap, they pounce. They say things like, why did they get hired if they don't know what they're doing? Or shouldn't someone in that position know that already? Or what do they do all day anyway? Right now, perhaps that new hire does need to know about how to complete the specific task, or maybe they did make a mistake. But that one mistake that they made or that knowledge gap that they have doesn't technically mean that the whole person is unfit for the job, right? Even worse, this type of attitude just drags everyone down in the office. Even if you think you can hide your judgment of other people, they likely feel it from you in one way or another. And even if you say nothing to that person in particular, if you've spoken about it to somebody else, you're still not feeling a supportive environment. This gets worse when we start comparing people against each other. Imagine that you have a leasing agent who is super hesitant to complete their follow-up. And then imagine you have another leasing agent who isn't. Listen, we all know that follow-up significantly increases an agent's closing rate. But sometimes teaching new leasing agents to complete their follow-up is just about as fun as getting a tenant to pay their past due rent balance. Now, one agent might have no issue with follow-up because they had a background that supports it. Maybe they were involved in debate team in high school, so they were super comfortable talking to people and handling objections. Or maybe they're just naturally outgoing And so their people skills are one of their unconscious competencies. On the flip side, maybe the agent who isn't doing their follow-up has never really been in a situation where they could be judged. Maybe their skill set is in numbers and financials, but they simply don't have any exposure to rejection that the former agent does. This does not imply that they can't get better at it. It just means that it's an incompetency that they're going to have to work on. And as we learned last week, when faced with a new skill to learn, that agent is likely going to have to process various feelings along the way. Comparing these two agents against each other out loud doesn't really get us anywhere. Again, we all come from different backgrounds with different skill sets. Comparing one agent against each other doesn't change the fact that you still have to mentor both of them to one degree or another. The reality is that one agent's performance has nothing to do with the others. They will each have their own strengths and weaknesses that we're going to have to mentor, and they're each going to get the opportunity to step up to the plate and see if they rise to the challenge. Like I said, no matter what the skill is, if it's a new skill that we're learning, we're going to have to be able to process various feelings along the way. I talk about this a great deal in episode number 24 called Feelings Don't Hold You Back, They Drive You Forward. And I'll link this in the show notes so that you can pop back and take a listen. Actions are driven by emotions. In fact, the whole biological purpose of emotions is to get us to take action or inaction of some kind. Our brain is obsessed with staying alive. Even though we're no longer living as cavemen, our amygdala, which is the portion of the brain that controls the fight, flight, freeze, fawn response, our amygdalas are still going wild trying to sort out the various threats to our existence. 
even if you're not fully aware of the emotions that you are experiencing, that doesn't mean that your emotions aren't at play. Feelings are simply vibrations in our bodies that are created by the sentences that we think in our brains. Feelings drive us to take action, but they can also drive us to not take action. There's a false belief that emotions hold us back, but again, the whole purpose of emotion is to drive our actions. Understanding emotions is a powerful skill. And your level of understanding your own emotions can either hinder you or it can propel you forward. Now, unfortunately, there is a stigma in the corporate world that implies that emotions and the expression of them is weak or unattractive. This stigma, along with all of the other stigmas that accompany mental health, often prevents people from taking steps to become more in tune with their inner experience. Now, let me be clear here. When I say understanding your emotions, I do not mean reacting to emotions or being emotional. Understanding your emotions means that you know their purpose and you know how to effectively channel emotion in positive ways. Part of your job as a manager is A, to identify your team's knowledge gaps and then B, help them traverse it. And you cannot help them traverse that gap if you do not give room for the whole human experience. And that includes giving them space to grow. Growing is hard. It hurts. It's uncomfortable. That's why they call it growing pains. But remember what I said earlier about my mentors in Minnesota. They instilled belief in me when I wasn't sure I could do something because they had all gone through it before because they knew that once I figured it out that I would calm the heck down and get to work. I am so excited for this week's journal prompts and I'll give you a little preview of it in the episode here. This week, what we're going to do is I want you to make a list of all of the skills, tasks, and concepts that you had to learn in order to get you into the position that you're in today. Now, this list that you made, it required you to face various challenges and various fears, but you have likely forgotten most of that because now it's an unconscious skill that you have. What you're going to do is pick one or two of those tasks and write a letter to someone who is learning this skill for the first time. Or you could even imagine writing a letter to your past self. What I want you to tell them in this letter, I want you to be honest about all of the doubts you have. In what ways were you questioning yourself, self-doubting, wondering if you would be okay? What emotions did you have to feel? And what fears did you have about the situation? How did you think that you were going to mess up? What did you worry that other people would think of you? Once you've done that, once you've stepped into the past version of yourself and recollected recollected, recollected what that experience was like to learn this challenging skill. Now what I want you to do is consider how do you feel about it now? Now that this skill, this task, or this concept that you know, now that it's easy for you, what is possible for you now because you have it? Tell yourself, why was it worth it to go through the pain of learning? I absolutely love this exercise because it gives you a chance to connect with your past self. I love property managers dearly, but they are horrible at celebrating their wins and giving themselves pats on the back. And this exercise will kind of force you into it. 
you should feel amazing after you write this letter or letters, plural, if you decide to do more than one task or skill. Once you do it, you've also equipped yourself to coach your team with a deep level of compassion and understanding. When you allow yourself to slow down so that you can teach someone how to do something, you're going to save yourself hours of work in the future once they know how to do it. And when you can teach that person with patience and understanding and compassion, you're going to have a better chance of building a stronger relationship with this person and also likely help their chances of being successful. Too many people run into feelings of anxiety, overwhelm, or confusion, and then they just run the other way. (laughs) But if you can help this individual see that those emotions aren't anything to fear, and in fact, they're part of the process, they will be more likely to try. One of the reasons why I wanted to write this episode was partially because of a stupid Facebook comment. I think most of you probably found this podcast by way of Facebook or an Instagram ad. And it was probably, I think it was a year ago, I was promoting a webinar about learning how to set boundaries. Now, for the most part, the post was receiving tons of positive comments and the content was really resonating with property managers. But there was this one person who just wasn't having it and she left a comment. I can't remember what the exact verbiage was, but the tone implied, duh, everyone should know this. I think the comment said something like, it's called taking charge. I can show you how to do that too. Now, a different person popped onto the comment on that person's post and came to my defense and said that I was just trying to help people who are struggling. And whoever you are, if you're listening, thank you. That was super kind of you. But I remember when I read that first comment about taking charge, I just thought to myself, I feel bad for whoever has to work with this gem. Because yes, some people are born with an innate ability to take charge and take no shit from anyone. And others aren't. And for those who aren't, they have to learn how to do it. I really don't think I would want to learn how to do it from that manager. No offense. (laughs) If you really want to embrace this concept. All you need to do is make one simple mindset shift. And that is to make absolutely no assumptions and or judgments about what someone knows and what someone doesn't know. Okay. The mindset shift is simple. From now on, make absolutely no assumptions and or judgments about what an individual knows or doesn't know. This ties back to what we talked about a few weeks ago, but I really want to bring it full circle. If you have skills that others don't have, you are likely taking on work that could be delegated to someone else. And delegation is going to require you to slow down temporarily so that you can get that task off of your plate forever. Learning any new skill is going to require emotional effort for all parties involved, both the teacher and the student. But if you decide to do it, you have an opportunity to support someone in their growth and help them increase their value as an employee. So how do you do that? You do that by taking note of all of the amazing managers in Minnesota who taught me the invaluable skill of talking everyone up and holding belief in others until they can believe in themselves. 
All right, everyone, we are done this week. Did you miss the From Busy to Balanced mini workshop? It was so well attended that we are actually doing another run. So pop on over to our website and click mini workshop in the top menu bar to get registered. I have done my best to condense the workshop down to 30 minutes of the essentials. For those who know me, you know that I like to talk a lot. So this has been a challenge, but I know that I've nailed it down to the three most impactful mindset shifts that will help you save hours this summer, right? In this workshop, we are going to talk about number one, the multitasking myth and why focusing on one task is the key to success. Number two, we're going to talk about how to eliminate the excuse of not having enough time. And then number three is my favorite. We're going to talk about how to shift from working reactively into working intentionally. Now, next week, I am taking a podcast break, so you will not see me in your podcast feed. But if you still want to connect, please come to the mini workshop. I really want to see you there. So pop on over to anahavliana.com. That's A double N A. J A V as in volleyball, E double L A N A dot com. Click mini workshop in the top menu bar and get registered for the webinar. All right, everyone. I love you. Keep going. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Addicted to Busy. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.